Kia Wellington. You are listening to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. This is Perrine and we are delighted to be in the studio today. Uh, we're talking to local photographer Sean Aiken. Sean has been looking at Porneke from behind a camera for I think about 25, 20-ish years. (laughs) He's the managing director of Splendid, which is um, a local photo shop with special focus on analogue that opened back in 2018. Um, But he's also been working in the industry and snapping away at local scenes for much longer than that. So welcome to the show, Sean. Talofa Thank you for having me. Talofa. Um, so I'll st- yeah, I first you, knew you primarily as a photographer of gigs and musicians and is that still your own focus or? Um, not so much anymore. Life's kind of changed a little bit. I, <laughs> yeah. can't, I can't be at San Fran until the wee hours of the morning. Um, <laughs> no, I kind of have moved on to just photographing other aspects of my life. Um, still photograph the odd band, um, particularly any bands that I enjoy seeing. If I see that they're playing locally or if they're playing in the city that I'm in, then definitely take a camera along. But I guess it's kind of like I've matured. No, I haven't matured, but like I've, <laughs> like I've aged uh, my photo- photographing bands. I think it's also changed now. Uh, I used to photograph bands, started, you know, 18, 20 years ago. Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, all of those, TikTok, all of those social medias weren't around. And now social media has really changed the landscape. Bands don't really, aren't as open for you photographing as they were, you know, back in 2005, back in Valve and uh, Bodega days, you know. You could go along with the camera, chat to the singer, chat to the manager and just say, hey, can I take some photos? Now they're like, who are you shooting for? Why are you shooting? What are you going to get out of it? And I'm like, nothing. I just want to take photos. Yeah, so those are more like behind the scenes kind of shots? Uh, no, more on even on stage, you know, like like people are very conscious. I noticed it when you know, I used to shoot a lot of the big day outs if for the for the listeners that remember the big day outs up in oh, Auckland. Yeah. <laughs> um, great great days out. Uh, I used to shoot a lot of those and towards the end started seeing bands like The Killers were like they didn't allow anybody in New Zealand to photograph. Um uh-huh. They would only allow no. They did. They just didn't allow anybody. So nobody could photograph the killers when they played twenty. The one of the last ones at Mount Smart before it shifted. Um, and it's because when they went through Bali, I think it was Bali or Southeast Asia somewhere, they were photographed, and then people put their photos on T-shirts and sold them. <laughs> and so the killers were pretty gun shy about that. Great plan. I, yeah, exactly. Great, <laughs> great. I mean, I don't think the killers or the record label needed any more money out of that Bali show. But anyway, I, I think that that's changed it a lot. So photographing bands has become a lot more hectic, um, a lot more difficult. You know, you, you, you reach out to a band and ask to photograph and then you get an email from a manager saying, yep, you can photograph but we want the images by the end of the day. And I'm like, well, no, I'm going to be at the gig until, you know, midnight. Mm. I don't want to go home and then have to edit a whole bunch of images and or I'll shoot film. And then, you know, a few days a week to get the film back, like I can't turn the images around the same night. Yeah. So it kind of didn't sour but it kind of – we just – 
naturally diverted, <laughs> I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. All right. Well, what gets you excited these days? Um, I Strangely, digital photography, okay. if I'm being totally honest. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this year, ball in the interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this, this year I decided to, this year I'm about to become a father for the first time. Woo. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So when I found out that news, well, actually prior to finding out that news, I decided that I wanted to learn, relearn how to shoot digital. I uh, shot film most of my life. Dabbled with digital when I started shooting bands in, you know, 2010, 2011, around there, 2007, when a specific camera came out. So then recently I was like, well, okay, I need to learn, relearn how to shoot digital. So I picked up a couple of cameras and I've been shooting digital. And it's quite um, satisfying going from an analog point of view where I'd shoot and not share that much to with digital I'm now trying to share on my Instagram 10 images per month and it's just a bit of a challenge. Yeah. And I quite like to challenge myself with photography and try to do something differently and um, that's one of the things that I'm trying to do differently is trying to shoot digital, which yeah. is new to me. Well, no, it's not <laughs> new to me. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's renewed, I guess, is the yeah. best way to put it. So that's what's a good challenge right now. Um, plus, I'm looking to build a dark room into a shed at home next year to In use that next year. Direction. Sorry, I heard build a dark room into a shed. Oh, sorry, I heard other way. Yeah, other way. <laughs> build. Sorry, build my shed into a dark room. Yeah, um, cool. Uh, and wanting to do that next year. So next year, I'll probably switch shooting digital and switch into shooting analog again and sharing analog images on my Instagram, but trying to share 10. So in the same format that I'm doing now in digital, but shoot it in analog. So shoot, I'd like to shoot a roll of film next year each week on medium format, develop it at the end of the month, contact print it in my darkroom, scan certain images, and then uh, go from there um, every month basically. And just have a little bit of a body of work. Uh, that's what I'd like to do. Yeah. Yeah. How did you – is 10 any meaningful number in photography? No, it's just the limit that Instagram <laughs> holds. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes there's not 10 of a month. So I have actually I'm, – I'm a firm believer of not sharing um, images that aren't that good. Um, okay. But this year I've, like, forced myself to share 10 Okay. You're doing month. the Troy Kingy thing. Similar, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Troy Kingy's idea and I love his challenge and I love how he – and I can um, empathise or I can understand his challenge because when you've been producing music or producing photographs, it does it, – it, I wouldn't say it gets easy because it never gets easy, but it can be productive to impose more challenges on yourself. Yeah. You know, we live in a world of excess right now where – a musician can drop an album a day. A photographer could drop hundreds of photos a day. I mean, you, you hear about the stats of how many minutes of brand new content is uploaded to YouTube every day. We live in an excess of creativity. Mm. So when you start putting, a, uh, when you start imposing creative restrictions on yourself, yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's easy to you know have a digital camera and shoot a 1,000 photos a day and pull that one amazing image. I try not to do that. I try to shoot my digital like analog. So if I see something cool, take a photo, 
see what happens later on at the end of the month. So I try not to review any images despite uh-huh. having the ability. I asked a local supplier of a camera to take the screen out of the camera so that I couldn't <laughs> review the image like it was a, like it was analog and they kind of laughed at me and then they ended up quoting me the same price as if I was buying the camera. Oh, so the camera dude. was $1,800 and they're like, yeah, we can do it, but it's going to cost you $1,500. I was like, well, that's kind of redundant. I'll just gaffer tape it up. So I gaffer taped up the screen for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I like those little challenges and those little restrictions on myself. Yeah. It just, it just, I don't want to say it keeps it interesting, but that's, it, that's what it does. Keeps it interesting. Cause you did ask originally what, what's the challenge now? What's, what's your, what's keeping you interested? And that's what it is. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe we should go back a little bit. Um, yeah. Your dad was a photographer. Yes. So, I, so old man Aiken, as I affectionately <laughs> called him, um, was a photographer. He photographed rugby, uh, and similar to where I photographed music, he photographed rugby because he really enjoyed watching it and. Like I can't play an instrument, he couldn't play rugby. So, <laughs> so he really enjoyed playing rug, uh, watching rugby. So he photographed it. Uh, my uncle, his brother, Grant Aiken, he worked for Auckland Rugby. And so he assisted in getting my dad, Barry Aiken, a press pass. And so dad photographed a lot of All Blacks matches, Auckland Blues matches, even way back in Super 8, I think it was the original, Super, Super Rugby photographed a lot of the All Blacks matches. And so he got into that. And then I, I photographed alongside him. I photographed a few All Blacks matches, a few Auckland Blues matches, um, and never really enjoyed it as much as I did with music. I'm a pretty big music fan, and I enjoyed taking a, lo- a camera along to a gig um, and would just capture whatever show was on. Um, one of the earliest shows that I remember capturing, one of the biggest bands I captured was Shane Carter's Dimmer. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, that was pretty impressive. With Anika Moore singing. Um, that was a, the second bodega for those oh, local yeah. kids that remember bodega. Um, the less cool bodega. The less cool bodega. I, I actually turned up after the cool bodega was Same. gone. So I don't even know the cool bodega. <laughs> I'm sad about it, though. <laughs> so am I. So, and we can all reminisce about what was, you know. Um, and also all the other venues that have gone, you know, the Mighties, the Matterhorns, the... Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, but um, for me, um, photographing music is what my dad photographed. Um, uh, gig, uh, sorry, rugby. Yeah. So, But, yeah, he, he was an avid photographer. Um, he had his own Photoshop, and I started working there in the late 90s up in Auckland, Okalani. Um, and he kind of, interestingly, a lot of people ask, oh, so was it your phot- father that got you into photography? And I don't think it was. I think I just kind of got myself into it. But my biggest lessons in photography actually came from my mum. Yeah. So mum obviously being with my dad, she uh, learned a lot, picked up a lot lot along the way and I picked up a lot from her and she just taught me a few things. And then I just kind of stumbled my own way through it. Um, It's I'm a person that learns from trying and failing. Um, I'm a slow learner, but I I learned that way. And so that's what I did for the last 20 odd years. Yeah. 
And so when your mum, when you were learning off your mum, that was, um, was that still all in analogue days? Yeah, so I, I started and I went through that analogue to digital transition. I think our generation, because you and I are the same age, are very lucky with that where we grew up with the curfew of be home by dark. We <laughs> grew up with a, a world that was primarily, well, not primarily, it was entirely analogue. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up with analogue TV, we grew up with the invention of the CD. Um, and so like music and like a lot of art forms, we grew up with the analog version and, and photography, but we got to see the digital one, uh, the digital incoming. So I remember when digital was incoming and when it became cost effective to actually own a digital camera. So I started, when I moved to Wellington in 2003, I started at Wellington Photographic Supplies. And digital didn't really take over until the late 2000, so like early 2009, around that area. That's when the quality of them became, I I divulge a little bit, but it's around that iPhone era. Yeah. You know, like when the iPhone surpassed digital cameras, that's Mm. when we're like, okay, this, this is ubiquitous now. Like digital photography is everywhere. And, and, And that's what it is. Yeah. I forget the years, but there was one specific year where that year there was more photographs taken in that year alone than all previous years combined. Oh. I suspect <laughs> it was 2005 and the iPhone came out in 2004. Right. And so when the iPhone really hit its straps, people were just using it like crazy. Yeah. And I think it was that. I, I could be wrong on my dates, but there was a specific time in, in, in history, particularly photograph, photographic history, that um, we were like, okay, digital, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. You know, we're not going back. We're not going back to analog. It wasn't, it, it, there's been a resurgence in a similar way to vinyl, but yeah. not to the levels like that it was. Like vinyl surpassed CDs a few years ago, analog will never surpass digital. Right. Yeah. You know? In terms of photography, sorry. Analog yeah, photography yeah. will never surpass digital photography. Yeah. Although would you have ever said that vinyl, back in the day, would you have ever said vinyl would surpass CDs? No. no. I mean, you hear about that old wives, not old wives, that's a terrible quote, but um, you hear about that ghost story about the, the vinyl press in Wellington that was dumped into the harbour. No. Yeah, I've heard about this so many times <laughs> yeah. um, from various different sources. I started Googling it um, one time after a disagreement in a bar somewhere <laughs> with somebody about this t- this tall tale. And I don't think it ever actually happened, but one of the record labels locally that pressed, uh, maybe some of the listeners might be able to send some feedback and tell <laughs> us whether it happened or not. But um, one of the local presses was trying to get rid of a vinyl press and they couldn't work out what to do with it. So yeah. they were like, we'll make an artificial reef out of it and dumped it on the harbour. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how true yeah. that is. But but so that kind of shows the 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 level at which people were like, vinyl's never coming back. Mm-hmm. Let's just burn the bridge. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, they were pretty clunky, but they, were, yeah. they sound pretty good too. <laughs> they do sound pretty good. If you hear an original vinyl from back in that day, I remember – um, being around at a family friend's house and listening to Paul Simon's Graceland on record, and oh, it blew me away. Yeah, I was like, "Damn, this is." I see what the fuss is about. Yeah, and it's similar with an analog photograph. If you see a well printed and well exposed and well well handled analog photograph, 
I'd like to think a lot of people could see the difference. Yeah. You know, like I have zero rhythm. I don't know much about music. I know what I like, but yeah. I don't know much about the finer details of it. Yeah. And I could hear a difference with Graceland. And I'd like to think that people with photographs might not know the difference between, you know, a digital photograph and an analog photograph. But if they saw a well-printed analog photograph, I think it would be different. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have a, like, memorable first camera or, you know? You'd think that with a photographic <laughs> father you would. But Dad was sort of like, I don't know, if like if you have a wrench monkey or a, a, a father or a mother that loves cars and they're like, you're going to get your first car and you like expect it to be something cool and it's not. Mm-hmm. That was like that with Dad. Dad gave me a Nikon F301 or maybe it was an F501. The 501 had the autofocus, and the autofocus was so slow that I could auto, I could focus the lens quicker than the autofocus could. Because, I mean, we're talking 80s technology. Yeah. The autofocus was not quick. And I had that as my first camera. Um, but, you know, I, I've become, I've gotten older. I now have two photo stores. So now I own cool cameras. <laughs> <laughs> now I spend too much money on cameras. And that's why I quite like imposing restrictions on myself and saying, I'm going to photograph with this camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your mum, and so your mum heritage through your mum is Samoan. Correct. And when we were talking before, it seemed like that has kind of influenced your artistic style in some way. Yeah, it's, it's, I'd like to think that it's, it's influenced my outlook on the world more than anything, which is shown through my creative side. Um, understanding the history between New Zealand and Samoa or understanding it a little bit better than I used to um, and learning more about that and and connecting with my Samoan Ainga and my heritage and my culture is something that I'm doing slowly amongst running a couple of businesses, um, <laughs> but I'm enjoying. Um, I'm hoping to take my family there next year for a month or so and then in the next few years spend uh, even longer over there. Mum lives in Fa'ala Paloli Savai, uh, which is a big island of Samoa, and I really enjoy going back. And pre-COVID, I'd go back every year. Post-COVID, I'm trying to go back every six or so months. Um, it's very close, you know, an hour flight to Auckland, and then a three-hour flight to Samoa, a three and a bit hour flight. And then once you land, I, I try to choose the flight so that when I land, I can head straight to the uh, wharf and jump on the ferry and head over to the main, uh, well, not main, sorry, the bigger island of Savai and be into, um, I guess, essentially my family village by the end of the day. Um, if I time it right, I can leave Wellington to Whanganui Atara at 6am and be into Fa'ala Paloli Savai at 6pm. Wow, that's so, a trip. Yeah, it is a trip and 12 hours is a long journey, but it's, it's you know, in Samoa, we don't have hot water, we have power, we have internet, but it's it's very slow. It's a different way of life, as you can imagine. You know, it, it's it it is a developing nation still, um, but it's it's beautiful, and 
It's it's yeah, as 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 easy as it is to photograph landscape in New Zealand. It's very easy over there. There's just a lot of lush green. Too mm-hmm. much actually. It's, it kind of gets boring. <laughs> from a photographic point of view, yeah. From a from a life point of view, it's still an amazing, beautiful place to go. And I and I love going back. And I love discovering new parts of it every time I go back. Yeah. And what is your photography apart from boring, beautiful green stuff? <laughs> what does your photography look like there? I photograph churches. Okay. Because they're ludicrous. <laughs> they're just outrageous. Like you can go through a village that looks that looks very third world and then you see this giant, for lack of a better description, garish church and it's, you know, three or four stories tall and the only reason it's so big is to compete with the other villagers' church. And we won't get into Samoan church politics because <laughs> we, we need a lot more time for that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, I think I quite I, – I, I, I very much like the juxtaposition between what is available in New Zealand and what is available in Samoa and other countries. So I read this amazing, I have this amazing photo book. I don't know the the artist, unfortunately. I don't know much about it, but I saw it. And the book's premise is pretty easy, premise, sorry, it's pretty easy. On one side of the page, it's North Korea, and on the other side of the page, it's South Korea. And it's everyday objects. So it's a bus stop, a phone booth, a mailbox. And the juxtaposition between North Korea's version and South Korea's version is amazing. Mm. And that's always stayed with me. And I've almost tried to always capture that. So when I go to new countries, I photograph bus stops, I photograph mailboxes, I photograph beaches, traffic lights, stop signs, just stuff like that. Just try to photograph what we take for granted every day, what we walk past every single day whenever we're walking around and then seeing the juxtaposition between what we see on a daily basis to what they see on a daily basis or or what other countries see on a daily basis. So I quite like that and I quite enjoy that and I do that a lot when I go to Samoa. Um, And also just the absolutely relaxed road laws, like just, I mean, we stand on the back of our mum's ute <laughs> so so photographing from the ute is always fun yeah. um photographing people on the back of utes is always fun so it's just i guess like here when i'm photographing with my daily digital camera it's just anything that catches my eye so it's anything slightly out of the ordinary to me because it's my site um it might be ordinary to other people but to me it's out of the ordinary and i'll just capture that and then i'll choose what to share um, via my social media uh, later on. Do you feel different when you're behind the camera? No, I'm. I'm. I, I feel. I'd like to think that I feel less noticed, and that I'm quite a tall person, and so I and I and I guess I learned this most when I was photographing in Japan a few years back. Because of my height, uh, I noticed that people would see me and I'd, I'd never experienced that before. And so now I kind of notice it even locally in New Zealand. I notice that I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not overly tall. I'm not obnoxiously tall. I'm only 6'3". <laughs> but I do notice that. And so when I have my camera, I feel like there's a block or a barrier between myself and the subject or, or myself and the world. So, but also when I, when I photograph, the camera is in front of my face. So for a fairly short amount of time, 
Like, I, if we talk, talk about Technics, I shoot in full auto. Um, a lot of people will say, you're not a photographer because you don't shoot in manual. I like, piss off. I shoot in full auto. The camera can see the subtle light shifts more than I can. My eyes, although my eyes are good, I have 20-20 vision and I can read things at a distance, the, the subtleties that these cameras, these, you know, even basic cameras like an iPhone, the subtleties and light shifts that they can detect that we can't, man, why wouldn't you trust them? <laughs> like if you want to be hands-on and you want to be macho man with by, by shooting it in manual, cool, that's cool. I don't, I, I don't really care, but I shoot everything in auto. So when I've got my camera in my hand or over my shoulder, by the time I pull it up to my eye, the camera's already calculated what settings it needs and I just need to focus on composition. Sure, there's moments when I'm like, okay, the camera's got it wrong, I need to take over here. But on the whole, the camera gets it right 90% of the time. And so I, the camera is very rarely, uh, is very short amount of time in front of my eye. I think if we're to get deep and philosophical Go about on. it or deep, deep and emotional about it is that I started shooting bands because I felt awkward at gigs. I didn't quite know what to do, you know, aside from drink. Mm. So I started to feel a little bit awkward or not necessarily awkward, but I, I kind of got in my own head a little bit. So having the camera there meant I could focus on the act and focus on the music and focus on capturing and listening and paying attention. It, it made it a lot easier to pay attention at gigs. And so that's what probably why I shot gigs so much. But in terms of the real world, I try to photograph that I try not to let it take up too much of my, what, I, what else I'm doing. You know, I, I can be a little bit busy at times, so my photography has to fit in with my schedule. There are times that I need to shoot a job, like I just did some jobs for local um, Pet Nat Brewers uh, Fruit Crew, photographed their latest campaign, shot some photos for the Ram, the new um, restaurant on Cuba Street, went into the old Plum location uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. outside the Bucket Fountain. Yeah, beautiful, stunning location, and I was uh, fortunate enough to go and photograph their spot for them. So unless I'm doing that, the camera has to fit into my life, my... my um, routine if i'm photographing a specific job then yeah okay i'll bend to the camera yeah <laughs> and then i'll probably shoot a manual and probably take my time a little more use a tripod but typically i have a camera over my shoulder a little sony and that goes with me everywhere and it's sitting on the desk between us now killed it <laughs> yeah it's always beside me yeah um should we have a quick song yeah um you wanted to listen to lady six should we do that first yeah definitely Okay, this one is like like water, and it's called Parks Remix. Yeah, so we'll we see how that goes. Know how that makes it different from the version that you know, but let's have a listen. Yeah. <laughs> 